Hey everyone, it's Blake. Just wanted to let you all know that I am about to be taking the Half Hour Intern Show to Phase 2, Half Hour Intern 2.0. So hopefully that involves me getting some sort of bionic implant of some sort or something, but it will definitely involve a mailing list. So if you go over to halfhourintern.com, it will prompt you to sign up for a mailing list. Um, I will not download a virus into your computer or anything like that. I will not be selling you tons of stuff through the mailing list. What I would like to do is have a lot more audience input on the show. So already on the website, obviously, you guys can submit your ideas for um, different jobs or hobbies that you will want to hear about. But something I would like to have as well is... Every week to two weeks, I want to send out an email with uh, interviews that I have upcoming, but before I have done the interview. And then you guys can just reply directly to this email with questions that you would like to ask the person that I am going to be interviewing. And every week or before every interview, I will pick a few of those questions to ask the person during the interview. And of course, I will give you um, a shout out during the interview for your question that has been chosen. Um, as well, I will just um, have other other news topics in the emails as well, um, such as ideas for the show, ideas for people that I'm thinking about interviewing, and we can all kind of vote on those together to um, determine the course and the direction of the show. So with your help, we will make this the best damn interview show out there. I, I got a cadaver ligament put in my shoulder and had surgery and had to keep my arm immobile for a couple months. And Got better and went through my physical therapy, got cleared to get back in the water. And I think it was like three days after I was spearfishing and a fish broke my collarbone. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interview Rory Parker, who is the writer for a popular surfing website, BeachCrit.com. However, we won't be talking about his writing career. What we will be discussing is the hobby of surfing, something that Rory knows a lot about. So Rory will let us in on how to get started, tips for getting better, and the culture and ethics of surfing. So that way you don't look like a total idiot and don't get your butt kicked when you get out there in the water. Without further ado, here is surfing. Rory, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, it's no problem. So I was reading in, in prep for this interview, I was just going over all kinds of surfing websites and I was reading this article earlier today for people who were beginners, just, just looking for advice, getting started surfing. And one of the, the guys quote, like right at the start of his article said that it's all but impossible to learn once you exit adolescence. So I just turned 30 a couple weeks ago. Am I just totally screwed? Is that true? You know, kind of. <laughs> I, it's 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 a terrible thing to say, but it's not. Um, I mean, it's kind of true. It's not really. It, it depends how much effort you want to put into it and how much free time you have. Uh, you know, the thing with surfing is it's as far as as any sport that I've I've ever tried. It's probably got the steepest learning curve out there because um, you know it's not really. It's not just a matter of standing up on a board and riding it to the beach. That, that's really the easiest part. It's learning what the ocean's doing, um, you know, being able to, to read the conditions and understand how the tide, the bottom contours, the wind, the swell direction, all affects what's going on. Um, 
and then being able to see a bump literally out on the horizon and, and understand that it's going to, you know, roll a couple hundred yards in, hit the, this little patch of reef, and it may shift, you know, 10, 20 yards in either direction. Um, and then at the same time, you're also going to be competing with surfers for waves. And, and a lot of these yeah. guys are like me that, you know, I've got, I've been surfing since, you know, as long, literally my entire life, as long as I can remember. And we're not really the, the friendliest bunch of people. Um, <laughs> That's something I want to talk about. So we'll, we'll talk more about that in a sec, but, but yeah, sorry, continue. Oh yeah. So, so it, it is doable. And, and if you're, if you're looking at just, you know, riding a wave and having fun, yeah, absolutely. It's accessible to everybody, especially if you're, if you're smart about your equipment and you start out on some, some, you know, more forgiving stuff like a long board, um, or especially the Wavestorm they sell at Costco, which is pretty much the, the ultimate beginner surfboard. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. My roommate just started uh, surfing a couple years ago, and that was one of the first boards he bought. And he said that every now and then he still likes taking that out just because you can just do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, they're, they're really fun to ride. And, and, you know, there's a there's kind of a misconception that it's like, oh, but if I ride that, everybody's going to know I'm a kook and I'm just starting. And it's it has nothing to do with the equipment. It's You can just look at somebody and tell that they're just starting out and buying a brand new high performance shortboard. You're never going to learn how to surf on that. It's not fun at all. Um, but no, it's starting in your 30s. Yeah, you can you can become a competent surfer. No problem. If you want to be a really advanced surfer, you got to quit your job. And just kind of focus your life on that, and that's that's a bit much to ask for most people. All right, so Rory, you mentioned the the surfer culture piece, and I feel like for someone like me who's new, that you know, again, didn't get started when I was a kid, that's something that is very um, imposing to me to to want to try to get out there. I feel like there's, um, and it's so interesting to me. Um, because to me, surfing, it's this beautiful thing where you're out in nature and you get to connect with the ocean. And I can imagine it being this very Zen experience. And you'll hear some surfers talk about this wonderful Zen experience. And you'll, you'll, then you hear these other surfers talk about like, hey, that's my wave. Get the hell off my wave. Or, you know, we don't need all these newbies out here, you know, crowding up the surf. Um, it, I, like how intimidated should a, a new person like me be when heading out to surf for the first time? Uh, yeah, it's really funny bringing that up. I got some strong opinions about the whole spirituality aspect of surfing. Um, you know, what's really important to, to remember is that when you're actually out in the water, surfing is kind of a zero sum game. You know, it's that there's a certain amount of waves coming in and, you know, people don't really want to share and, it, and it's, it is, it's a totally selfish pursuit. You know, when you're out surfing, it's, it's all about you. Um, it's all about you just having fun and having a good time. It's not a team sport. So, you know, there's a real competitive aspect to catching waves. Yeah. Um, as far as being intimidated by surfers, you know, there's a lot of talk about localism and people love telling those stories. And, and to an extent, it just kind of to discourage people from surfing because we, you know, nobody's, we're not recruiting. Um, <laughs> Definitely. But, but the reality of it is, is it's, there's no sort of organized like, oh, you know, fuck beginners. Oh, you stupid kooks, stay out of here type thing going on. It's just, you can paddle out and surf if you want. It's just as long as you remember that nobody cares if you're having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going you're gonna to have to put the effort in yourself and you're going to have to, you know, spend a lot of time learning where, where, where to sit in the lineup, um, when to paddle for a wave. And for a beginning surfer, it's, it's really difficult because you have to sit on a more forgiving area of the wave, whereas a better surfer is going to paddle past you. Um, they're going to sit right on the peak. They're going to take off on the critical section. And by the, you know, kind of rules we have of surfing, that makes it their wave. And that means that if you're starting out, yeah, you might see somebody who's good catch 50 waves in a session and you're going to catch two. 
And, and you're going to see that guy paddling past you over and over. And you might get frustrated and take off in front of him. And then, you know, that's, that's your fault. You know, he's going to probably, you know, probably just give you a dirty look, might, might say something to you as far as, you know, getting beat up on the beach, like, you know, at a point break or something. <laughs> there's like maybe one or two spots on earth where that actually happens. Generally, yeah. it's just, it's just kind of myths. It's the same thing. Um, a real common thing in Hawaii is it's like, oh, that spot's super sharky. You don't want to surf there. But sharks don't stay in one spot. It's just, hey, that's, that's where I like to surf. I don't want anybody else going there because I'm selfish and this is about me and I, I don't want to share. Yeah, that's a really good idea. The sharks, maybe say that area of the beach is haunted. You know, some murders <laughs> took place there. That's all good. Um, so explain some of that to the listeners. I was just reading about this earlier today about where you take off on the wave and like you said, kind of the order of priority and who gets what spot on the wave. Um, you know, the, the, basically the way it works is the person who's, who's deepest, which just really means sitting in the most critical, steepest part of the wave that breaks first, um, they have priority on the wave. Now, it gets a lot more complicated than that because there's a lot of kind of mind fuckery that goes on out in the lineup, um, especially on crowded days. You can kind of, you know, pe- people, I, I think, subconsciously will tend to follow the more you know, the, the higher level surfers in the water and, and shadow them. And that gets annoying. So you can kind of play tricks on people and start paddling really hard in one direction. As everybody follows you, follows you, then go, go to a stop and paddle back. And then, <laughs> you know, if somebody, if you paddle then towards the shoulder from somebody and they take off, it's like, well, is it their wave now? You know, maybe kind of technically, but it really comes down to if you're a better surfer and you're more aggressive, you just kind of get to do what you want to do. More more likely, the first person out there in the morning will have like first dibs at whatever spot on the wave they want, and then the next person out, then the next person out, and so on and so on. I mean, as long as they can handle surfing that wave. I ideally, but in practice, it doesn't work like that. Okay. Um, you know, again, it just it just like every every sort of little subculture's rules is that it's like, yeah, no, this is what you're supposed to do. Do people actually do that? Nah, not really. Um, and then when you start getting into super crowded areas like, uh, you know, like in L.A., there's, when there's 10 million people in the water, every rule really goes out the window. I was going to say, a lot of times, it, like here in San Francisco and stuff like that, I'll just see, you know, 20 people riding the same wave at once. Yeah, and that, um, that sucks. Right? <laughs> yeah. but, there, but there's usually, most places have areas that are kind of designated beginner spots. And if you go out there, um, you understand that... Uh, that there's really no rules in the lineup. So you go out there and you understand that you're dealing with, you know, 50 people in the water who don't really know the rules. And even when they do, they don't have the physical ability to really follow them. Yeah. So, it, you know, to paddle out there and give people a hard time is just a real prick move. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're surfing a, you know, a real high level wave, like, you know, say Rocky Point on Oahu, uh, there, if somebody drops in on you, you're going to have to straighten out. You're going to end up standing in, in, you know, shin deep water. Um, on razor sharp reef taking the next 10 waves on the head and so it really makes sense why these rules were created to begin with yeah you rightfully you get you get upset with people you know and 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 it again it never really escalates beyond just you know some mean words but every once in a while yeah yeah for sure hopefully you don't see that guy at the bar afterwards um just for like surfing ethics what are some surfing ethics things that people should know starting out so we already went over the lineup and how to be you know Look good uh, you know, I'd say the biggest thing is try to stay out of the way. You know, you're not going to be able to. Everybody gets in the way sometimes. It's there's there's really no controlling that. No matter how good you get, you, how good you are at surfing, eventually you'll be in somebody's way and ruin their wave. And you know, just apologize. 
And if, and if, an, and if apology is not enough, that person can go fuck themselves. It's not really that big of a deal. <laughs> Amen. Um, and I'd say, you know, make sure you start out on the right equipment. It's so that's so important. And people really, you know, they think a lot of people think because, you know, they ride a skateboard or a snowboard or a wakeboard that they're going to be able to transition over into surfing really easily and that they should just start out with expert level equipment. But you're not going to be able to paddle. You're not going to be able to stay out of the way. And everybody's, you know, and you see like the kid with all the brand new gear and he doesn't know how to use it. It's like, dude, what what are you doing? You know, be be honest with yourself here. You're not a professional surfer. You're never going to be. Just go out and try to have fun and and focus on that. Yeah, for sure. So let's go over some of the different uh, board types and sizes and stuff like that. So what are the different sizes a board will come in? What are their names? Um, And then what are kind of the other things on a board that will affect the ride of the board? Um. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a, I'll try to simplify that. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry for people that know nothing. So, you you know, just give us the bare bones. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're talking about it, you're going to be, I guess I'd say there's probably going to be four different real types of surfboards if we're really oversimplifying it. And there's going to be bigger wave boards, um, which encompasses, you know, um, just kind of your step up for slightly bigger waves, semi guns for big waves, and then a true gun, which is for very, very big asshole puckering, terrifying waves. Um, then, you know, there's the, we call them kind of fishes, which is a really small, high performance, small wave board. Um, there's your high performance short boards, which work very, very well in good waves, but are super unforgiving and difficult to ride. Okay. And then there's just your long boards, which is really just a, you know, lower rocker, which is the amount of curve in the board. Um, they're wider, they're thicker, and they've got a big round nose on them. Those tend to be more forgiving. They paddle really well and they're, uh, they're fun to ride, but there's a certain performance level where it gets difficult to get make them do what you want them to. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. So you're saying lower rocker, that would then mean that there's more of the board in contact with the water, correct? It, exactly, yeah. It's just, it's it's more planing surface. And it's, so it's it makes you more to, stable and it's good for a beginner, but you obviously can't maneuver as much if you've got, you know, more of the board touching the water. Is that is that correct? Um, More or less, yeah. Like, it, and it does... Board design starts getting really complicated, and then because most people who are at the forefront of surfboard design have spent decades inhaling, you know, chemicals. So <laughs> a lot of what's what's you know taken is taken as you know gospel as far as how board design works. That changes from year to year, but um, yeah, I mean, for somebody who's starting out, you get a longboard. Um, I, I mentioned it before. But the Wavestorm, that soft top they sell at Costco for about a hundred bucks, is the best surfboard anybody can learn on. Um, it's cheap and it has something. It's their return policy is is mind blowing because no other company in the world will take a return on a surfboard under any circumstances. Yeah. Um, so your first surfboard, you're gonna thrash it. There's a good chance you'll break it. You'll do something stupid like let it blow off the roof of your car. We've all been there. And being able to take it down to Costco and just swap it out for a new one is <laughs> worth a million dollars. You know? yeah. And uh, even here in Hawaii, a lot of people really take advantage of that because they'll take them out in, in closeout waves. They know we're going to break boards and then break their board. You drive to Costco and you get a new one in 20 minutes and then you go break it again. You can go in there every week. They don't really care. Yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Um, how important is the board to, to riding well, um, even, you know, even for a beginner? Pretty important. I mean, it, it really, it's a good surfer is going to be able to surf well on pretty much anything they get. Um, but then when you start getting into a wider variety of, uh, of, of conditions, 
you start really dialing down your equipment. Um, because I have right now about a dozen surfboards. Um, every one of them works in slightly different waves and slightly different conditions and slightly different size. And when you really want to start, you know, kind of perfecting what you got, um, it, it is important to have a, a wide variety of surfboards. But if you're just going out and having fun, I mean, you look at like, you can look at it like golf. Like, like I, I don't like golf, but I played golf. And, you know, go out and play a little par three, nine hole local course. You can go out with, with three clubs and have a blast. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be a good golfer, you need to spend thousands of dollars on, I, I guess maybe you need to, but on ceramic head bullshit. And you end up carrying around 100 clubs and switching it out for each little Well, and shot. as a beginner, it, I mean, to the golf analogy and, and to what you were saying, I guess, about a short board versus, you know, one of these long boards you get at Costco. For golf, if you bought a $1,000 set and you were a beginner, it would almost make the game more difficult on you because those clubs, while they can do a lot, are so unforgiving. Like you cannot hit that club incorrectly, you know? Yeah, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, they're like a a high performance surfboard will do anything you want, but it won't do anything for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You recently, or I shouldn't say recently, because it looks like you've been going through this for a couple of years now, but you had a, a major injury, correct? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the the last two years of my life were were pretty ridiculous. I um, you know, thank God my, my wife my wife has a, an actual legitimate you know career, so we have good health insurance, and I'm not I'm not destitute. But yeah, I uh, I hit the bottom body surfing pipeline um, in December of 2013, and I, I wish it was like I had some cool story about the waves were huge, but it wasn't. It was just a small day. And I wasn't taking it very seriously. And because of that, you know, I got humbled a bit and reminded that, you know, pipe's always kind of serious, even if it's only a couple feet overhead. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, I got a cadaver ligament put in my shoulder and had surgery and had to keep my arm immobile for a couple months and got better and went through my physical therapy, got cleared to get back in the water. And I think it was like three days after I was spearfishing and a fish broke my collarbone, oh. which is a freak accident. I've, I don't know how. I think it's just because I didn't have any muscle in my arm yeah. um, and the thing. The, it, so it broke my collarbone. I went through you know another eight weeks of recovery from that. Um, woke up in the middle of the night with a gigantic racquetball-sized swelling behind my ear. Went to the you know went to a bunch of doctors. They finally found out I had a thing called a cholesteatoma, which is kind of like a benign tumor on my eardrum. Yeah, which had caused an infection, which spread into my mastoid, which is the honeycomb bone behind your. Uh, Behind your ear, yeah. What, and, what is the cholestia part? Because like a hematoma would be just a whole bunch of blood collecting. What what's what is a cholesteatoma? Um, again, it's just it's like a benign tumor, and it, it was caused by I've had I've spent my entire life in, in the ocean, you know, surfing. I, I was a competitive swimmer. I played water polo, and you know, just constant ear trauma. Yeah, you know, I perforated my eardrum so many times, and um, I guess that causes, um, you know, that causes a cholesteatoma, and I I don't really understand the root word for it. Yeah, Maybe yeah. Cholest- cholesterol and blood i, I but, you just um, know that it was a huge pain in the ass well it was it was gnarly because I, I, I asked the doctor i'm like because yeah it was really serious i'm like wait am i gonna die he's like well right you could and um so two days later i was on an emergency flight to la i got surgery um everything i, I went to the best doctor in the world for it because they were telling me i'd never even be able to get, put my head under the water ever again um the upshot is I lost all the hearing in my left ear, but I'm back free diving again. I'm surfing again. It's no, no big deal. Um, but the thing is I recovered from that and a pimple popped up on my shoulder and I went to the doctor and it turned out that my, uh, all the hardware they put in my shoulder that got infected. Oh. 
So I then spent a week in the hospital and six weeks with a pick line, which is like a catheter running from my elbow up into my heart, mm-hmm. dumping IV antibiotics into my heart for uh, a month and a half. Yeah, that's serious, man. That's crazy. So, yeah, it's been ridiculous. And the worst part is I lost all my muscle and I gained like 40 pounds. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but now I'm fine. And now I'm back. I'm back certain again. We've had just unreal good giant waves out here lately. And I'm, I'm just chomping at the bit. You know, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm just in my 30s and this didn't happen 20 years you know, in the future when it's going to be way harder to heal. Yeah, yeah, man. No kidding. Seriously, that's great. Uh, well, I mean, it's not great, but yeah, what, I mean, what, <laughs> but yeah. This, yeah. This, this shit happens and it's kind of, well, yeah, I, I, it, it got frustrating because it's just living in Kauai. It's the most beautiful, amazing place in the entire world. But if you can't go in the ocean and you can't go hiking and you can't go in the river, there's really not else much else to do. Yeah. So it gets boring. Yeah. How- I, killed, I killed all the roosters on the property. That's how I spent <laughs> Screw them. Who needs them anyways? They don't even lay eggs. Um, yep. So as, as you've aged and then through this whole injury, how has your love of surfing changed? And do you still look for the same things when you're surfing? Like, do you still view surfing the same way? Nah, I mean, you know, you, you get jaded. You know, the one thing that I guess the best part about pretty much not being able to surf for two years is that I'm actually having fun surfing shitty waves again. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, I, I, I'm so spoiled from living in Hawaii for the last about eight years now and surfing lukewarm water, beautiful conditions, awesome big waves that, uh, you know, if, if God forbid I had to move back to California, I'd probably quit surfing. Uh, it's not, not really that much fun. Wow. Really? Um, it's like your pleasure center of your brain was just too, uh, stimulated. Well, yeah. And it's, I, I really, I really like surfing bigger waves. Um, that's something that I find, you know, really enjoyable because, you know, for me, one of the things I really like about surfing is that it, it, if you, I feel like if you're doing it right, it never gets easy. You know, there's always, you can always push yourself harder. You can always, you know, surf a, a more powerful wave, a shallower wave, a bigger wave. Um, and that, you know, when you're, when you're starting out surfing and you're paddling out and it's waist high and these waves look huge and you're kind of terrified. Um, I, I really like that feeling. Yeah. So you kind of, you, you kind of chase that high all the time. And, um, and I guess that's how surfing changed. I'm a little bit more reckless. Do you find different? T- I mean, do you know different types of surfers? Like, it sounds like you're more of like an, an adrenaline type surfer. You know, like you said, you like to be scared a little bit. You you really enjoy big wave surfing. Do you know some more of like the Zen type of people that I mentioned before that just you know don't you know, really care and they just love being in the ocean? I I know a lot of people, yeah, who just who take it as just it's a it's a fun. Fun thing, they'll go out and surf two foot crappy onshore waves every day and they just love it. Um, and I, I think that's great. I think, you know, ideally I'd like to be that way. I think life would probably be more fun. Yeah. But um, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you can't and, change who you, who you are, you know? Yeah. And, and as far as the people who really, really embrace the spiritual aspect that it's like, oh, you know, I, I feel the mana like flowing through me. I, I just can't stand that shit. I don't really talk to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I um, I came across an article on on your website on Beach Grit um, that was written by by one of the other co-founders, and uh, it was dumb questions not to ask a surfer. So oh, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and ask you a couple of those right now because I can, and then I added a couple of other ones in there that I think are probably dumb questions, but that I think most people still would not know the answer to. So you know, it makes yes. sense why people would ask them. So one would be, uh, do you surf in the winter time? Yes. 
that's the, that's, that's the best time to surf. All right. Um, so what the, the waves are just bigger in the wintertime? Yeah, the waves are typically bigger. Um, you know, as, as if you're living in California or, or Hawaii, um, you know, you're getting those North hemisphere swells, um, from up, you know, near Alaska. And, and that's, that's when the waves are the best, you know, it, it's, it's, Summer, you know, as, as a surfer, it's summer. You look forward to summer because it's like, oh, the water's going to be warm and stuff. But then the waves go flat and it gets kind of frustrating yeah. um, and, and boring. But, yeah, yeah win- winter is the best time to surf. And the, 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 guys, the guys who surf like the Great Lakes in the winter, they're fucking masochists. I don't, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> yeah, they I just surf- saw that in a documentary the other day. So yeah, crazy. it's freezing cold and the waves suck and they have like icicles in their beard and I can't wrap my mind around doing anything like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the next question on there, which I, and I have a question that's a little bit different than this, but so the next question was, are you afraid of sharks? No, I, I, you know, I've spent a, I, when I've been out in the water surfing, I have literally never seen a shark. I'm, I'm 35 years old. I've been surfing as long as I can remember. And, you know, there, there are sharks in the ocean. They're there all the time. I've never actually seen a shark while I was out surfing. Yeah. I see them spearfishing constantly. And they're like dogs, dude. Like they'll come up and check you out, but you know, they want, I mean, like when I'm spearfishing, I'm six two. If I'm using my, my bigger gun, my gun's almost six feet long and I have three foot long fins on that puts a, that gives you a huge profile underwater. Yeah. Sharks typically don't want anything to do with you. Um, I did get charged by one, one time when I, I swam into a cave and I think the shark was just as scared as I was. It was like, what the fuck are you doing here moment? That, <laughs> yeah. that, that rattled me a bit, you know, but um, that was the equivalent of somebody jumping out from behind a closed door and, and spooking you. Uh, I, I think people, people make a big deal about the shark stuff. And then, you know, Mick Fanning just got that, had that attack happen during yeah. the movie, which was huge. And that was gnarly. I remember that when I first saw it, I'm like, I just watched him fucking die. Holy yeah, shit. Totally. But, um, but no, nah, sharks, sharks are cool. Yeah, so I I grew up in Los Angeles like you, and you know was in the ocean all the time as a kid, and never once saw a shark. So I don't know why anyone. I guess maybe that's a question that somebody that doesn't live near the ocean would ask someone, you know, because they don't know. But so my question would be, are you afraid of drowning? Like that is another. That's another reason why, as an adult, I'm scared to pick up surfing is because I'm just terrified. I'm just going to get knocked against the bottom, and then, like you said, then you have this another set of waves coming in over and over and over again on the top of you. Are you ever afraid of drowning? No. Um, It's and this is a. I I don't know how to say this doesn't make me sound like an asshole. Um, So I'm just going to say it. I'm I'm very confident in the water. Um, I've, I've spent. Since I've spent my entire life swimming, you know, a big thing is, is just knowing you can self-rescue. Um, I, I, like when I when I destroyed my shoulder pipe, there was a second one. It's like, oh, shit, I should wait for help. It's like, no, never been rescued. I'm going to swim in one-armed. And I, and I made it okay. And, uh, and I've had some – I've been rattled a little bit. You know, break your leash on a really big day on Oahu, and it takes about an hour and a half to, to work your way in. And you got to scrabble cool. up over the rocks, and you end up bleeding. But it's – no, and it, it, uh, no, I'm not scared of drowning. And, and you know, I, I blacked out free diving a while back, and it's really weird because it's euphoric, dude. Like I remember, like the last, my last thought was, it's like, why am I exhaling? And then it just kind of went black, and um, that's it. Uh, honestly, it's, it doesn't really seem like that bad of a way to go. <laughs> now that you've I tasted mean, it, it's not too bad. Yeah, better than get hit by a car or something. At least you go in kind of a cool way, and you know, officially eat you. Yeah, for, what what happened that day? Once you blacked out on the water, what happened? Oh, no, then you got it's if it, it, you always have like a really good uh, you know, if you follow safety protocol, 
you're going to have somebody there to rescue you. And there's actually, my wife was there. She pulled me out of the water. Um, nice. she's actually, she's a, she's an amazingly talented free diver. I'm, I'm very proud of her. Yeah. But, um, yeah, with, with free diving, most of the, most of the deaths that come from that are just because you get overconfident and you kind of ditch safety protocol and you aren't really paying attention to each other and something can just go wrong in a split second. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, oh, yeah, the next one on the list was, can you teach me to surf? And like that got the most comments out of any question on the list, which is funny because it didn't look like much to me. But everyone in the comments section was just like, oh, my God, I get asked that all the freaking time. So yeah. is that a problem? Um, if you're a really good looking woman, no, it's not a problem. <laughs> um, anything else, though? And, and, and I, yeah, I mean, it's, I'll, I'll tell people, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll teach you to surf. I mean, I'll give you a couple pointers. But the moment we hit the water, I'm going to paddle away. Um, it's, it's not fun teaching people how to surf. You know, it's just, uh, it, it's, you're just watching somebody fall down over and over and over again. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's it, typically the rule is no, I won't teach you how to surf. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one we actually kind of covered a little bit already. Um, but the question of, is it similar to snowboarding? Is it similar to skating? Or I could even see somebody saying like, oh, well I do a lot of yoga. So I have a really strong core. Does that mean I'd be really good at it? Well, you know, I, I think to, I, I think if um, I've known a couple people who were good skaters and that translated into surfing, um, they were with without exception, they were really good pool skaters. Um, and that was because, you know, skating like a backyard pool, it's all lumpy and weird. And you have to know how to link your turns together and, and kind of think, you know, think, think a couple moves ahead. That does translate over once they've got past that just very beginning part. Um, yoga, being strong and flexible is good. Um, snowboarding, I think makes it harder to surf, uh, surfing, surfing, all of your, all of your, your turning, all of your speed is driven off your back leg. Whereas snowboarding, I think it's more front footed. And I've seen most snowboarders I've I've known who, who people who are primarily snowboarders who surf decently have this really weird style where they're always sitting on, they're always kind of like all their weights balanced on their front foot. And that's just really bad form and actually bad for your surfing. Huh. Interesting. Well, that's how I snowboard. So maybe I need to try surfing then. I, I apparently have bad form when I'm snowboarding. That's good to know. Well, uh, I know it's, it's, surfing's more like surfing's more like snowboarding really deep powder. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's all off that back foot. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the website that you now started. When did you start this website? Give us a little bit of info about it. It looks freaking awesome, man. Well, yeah. You know, okay, so the deal with Beach Grit is, is I, you know, I didn't start it. I was, I was really stoked. Um, so it was founded by Derek Riley and Chaz Smith, and uh, you know they're both amazingly talented writers. Derek founded Stab Magazine, um, which is one of the biggest you know, surf magazines in the world. Chaz wrote a really cool book, "Welcome to Paradise, Now Go to Hell," um, about a day on the North Shore. And they asked me to be a part of the website and it was, it was, a, it, was it made me feel really good. You know, I was, I was, I was pretty cool to be a part of it. Um, and I think it's cause we're, you know, we don't really have any advertising. We're kind of free to say and do whatever we want. Um, and I, and I think we have a, a pretty unique take on things. We're all kind of weird dudes who do our own little weird thing. And, um, you know, people get upset. People, people say very mean things to me. <laughs> um, pretty, pretty regularly because it's the internet, but you develop a, a pretty thick skin and, and stop caring about it. Lots of drug references, lots of swears. Yeah, I love the. Uh, I just love the overall feel of the site, man. It was awesome. So everyone should go check that out. Um, so it, it, let's go ahead and finish the interview off. If we didn't just totally 
scare everyone with your near-death stories and getting your body completely mangled and not being able to surf for two years. What would be like the number one piece of advice that you would give to somebody to um, get started today to, to go out and surf? Surf every single day. Like it, it, it's, it takes so much time to, to really learn how to be a competent surfer that if you, if you want to just go you know, once or twice a month, you're never really going to progress very much. And you're never going to become you know, e- even, even mediocre at it. Um, I think that's why people who start younger are, tend to be better because for me, I mean from you know, five years old to 18 years old, my life revolved around surfing. That was all I ever wanted to do. That was all I did. I was in the water every day. And you just spend so much time, you can't help but get good at something. Um, so that would just be the number one thing is just don't give up. It's, it's going to kick your ass. Your board's going to hit you. You're going to feel like you're drowning. You're going to swallow water. But it gets better. And then it gets worse again. And then it gets better. <laughs> but, but the last thing is better. So it's all good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, well, it, it's fun. You know, it's it, anything in life. Like, you just got to try hard. Yeah. I mean, it just it, it, anything in life that's worth doing is worth putting your all into and and I mean, that's just, that's, that's kind of how I feel about most stuff is just bust your ass, get out there, paddle every single day. And, you know, eventually your arms and your shoulders are going to get really strong. And that's the biggest thing. Once you can, once you can just paddle and paddle and paddle for hours, um, surfing starts being more fun. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What it like, uh, I should have asked this earlier, but what, it, what is it that you think makes people kind of like leave their entire lives behind? If you want to call it that for surfing i mean you know you picked up and moved to hawaii you said you've been surfing since you were a kid i assume that that was basically for surfing and you hear a lot of stories like that my roommate only six months after learning how to surf he quit his job in tech here in the bay area and just drove up and down the coast of california surfing and he only had six months under his belt and you you hear other stories like that about people that kind of leave their lives or try to quit their lives to surf and i don't feel like you hear stories like that about other hobbies like you don't hear people just quitting their job and rock climbing all day every day or anything you know uh, you know huh I, now now i'm gonna start sounding all spiritual uh, but I, yeah, <laughs> I, I i honestly i don't know if it's necessarily surfing i think it's the ocean i i think that just the ocean is this amazing powerful just 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 cold bitch goddess type thing that it's so much fun to, to play in and be around. And I, I think that, you know, people ditch their lives to surf just like people ditch their lives to, you know, sail. Um, I think, you know, fishing people, people become just super wrapped up in that and, and to the exclusion of all else. People do that with scuba diving, with free diving, with spear fishing. That's very I, true. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it comes down to just that being in the outdoors, you know, being in, in this, being in the ocean um, and, and, and 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 playing, you know, playing playing in something that'll kill you and not think twice is a really, really. It's just really fun. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 really fun. And and no, I don't know. I feel like I could be a lot more eloquent about this, but um, yeah, it really just it really just comes down to the fact that the ocean is a cool thing. Yeah, and and, and it's and it's great to be around. And you you get adrenaline. You get that empty minded, you know, kind of concentration. Damn, Rory, thanks so much, man. We really appreciate all the info.